Hello friends, we're back on this feed to discuss, debate, and maybe argue about the 2024 Oscars. As was the case last year, the nominees were announced and it turns out we've got a lot of work to do. 2023 was a stellar year for movies. Many important figures of Hollywood made interesting films and there was a very worthy list of nominees. Imagine a year where Michael Mann, Ridley Scott, and David Fincher all made long gestating passion projects and not a single one received a nomination. For those new to the feed, welcome and thank you for joining. My name's Matt, I'm a teacher, I'm a film lover and I take this all very seriously. And with me will be my wife, Christina, who's also a teacher and much more interested in reading and human interaction and has a much more lighthearted approach to this. Together, we're going to examine each of the 10 nominated films and offer our explanations for why each film could win an Oscar on the big night. We won't always agree, we will veer off track, and we may spar verbally on our takes, hence our honey title. We're so happy you're listening, and we hope you enjoy the return of Ballot Boxing. Going good. Good. Are we going to start with the movie this time, or are we going to have the conversation we've been having all week about the Oscars? I think we can have the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Can we take up time? So we'll just dish on what our plan is tomorrow. No. We'll start with that. Okay. Sure. Go ahead. We have a fun day planned tomorrow. Okay. Uh, as we're recording, um, late on Saturday evening. Well, late for us. Late. <laughs> <laughs> like I like that you said yeah. that. It's ten to nine. Yeah. Um. We have a fun day plan tomorrow. We're going to do a double bill, which we haven't done as ever. a couple ever. Ever. I've done once. What uh, did you see? Legitimately, I saw, um, I can't remember the sequence. I'm pretty sure it was the Truman Show mm-hmm. followed by Deep Impact, but it might have been the other way around. Mm. Um, and that would have been in 1998. Oh, that was a while so ago. So it's been a minute, as a <laughs> kid say. Yeah, so we're going to do a double bill tomorrow because we, um, we've been assessing the remaining films um, on the Oscar ballot and they're not all available no. to be streamed or purchased or even rented. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we got to see, we're going to see American fiction tomorrow and we're also going to see poor things mm-hmm. tomorrow. Um, and what's the one that's left? Because were... The zone of interest. Right. I thought, I thought that's what, what I was yeah, going to The zone of interest. And that's going to be really tough to find mm-hmm. at this point. Like we may have to go, we may have to go downtown to see it. Oh, God. Or we might see it like, we may be doing our last one of these at uh, at AMPA at the at the big meeting, right? The union meeting. Yes, we're going to be downtown it, anyway. Recording it there, and it, but because... that'll be tough because the kids will be with us. So I don't know how we're going to make it work. Anyways, this is all logistics that nobody that's listening to this is cares interested about. In knowing. Anyways, the, the, the conversation Matt and I've been having all week is how annoying it is that we so was what was the one movie you were talking about that like was going to be there on Thursday and not on Friday? Was that the zone of interest? Yeah. It was at our movie theater in our town on Thursday and then gone. It's still at one in a neighboring town, but we don't know for how long. And we were saying that if the Oscar, this is more of a me thing than a Matt thing, although Matt thinks it's a good idea and a, t- a good take, I think, that if the Oscars, they claim to care about their viewing audience. They claim to care about the numbers of people that are watching that show. They're making changes. They have made changes in order to have more people in the audience and have more eyeballs on that particular award show to maintain its superiority above all others. And yet when they nominate 10 films, 
They don't have the capacity to realize that either all 10 need to be accessible to the viewing audience, or you need to then make them accessible by having some sort of Oscar-only streaming service, or allowing the smaller um, studios that have done art projects, if they've been nominated, you need to be able to give them money so that they can be on a streaming service. Like it's ridiculous that there are movies that are inaccessible or difficult to access even. Yeah, you should be able to pull them all together. It's ridiculous. You can put them behind a paywall, but make that paywall something. You pay one price and you can see all 10 nominees. Yeah, yeah. Or, 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 or all the nominees, every nominated film. Every nominated film, there should be an Oscar app. They could do artsy fartsy crap for the rest of the 11 months or whatever, 10 months. There aren't nominees or like previous Oscar winners. There it is. Oscar nominated films, not even winners. Oscar, if you were ever nominated for an Oscar, you're on this one streaming service. It's the Oscar streaming service. And then when the nominations come out that day, the moment the nominations come out, everything is available. Every single movie. And you could watch all, not just the top, the 10 nominated films for best picture, but you could watch all the little 15 minute short documentaries and international films. And why is this not a thing? Well, and I, I, I hear you and I, I agree. And, but I also understand that, you know, there's probably major financial constraints given that there's all sorts of different competing studios. I do not yeah. agree with that at all because there are sure there are competing studios, but like why they just need to figure it out. Like there has to be a solution to this problem. Because, or maybe this is my, my point is, I don't think they see it as a problem. I think that there is contempt for the audience, actually. And they, the people that are on in the Academy are thinking like, well, the, the plebes that are, that are, you know, what, that are tuning in. Sure, we don't have as many people tuning in anymore. And we can say that we want as many people tuning in. But really, it doesn't matter. And we know this is still the best. And it's really for us anyway, not for anyone else. I think there's a real sense of like otherness, like usness. And a real sense exclusivity. Exclusivity, that's the word I'm looking for. And I think that um that they're not hiding it very well. When yeah. they when when three of the nominated films are basically impossible to see. And it's not like we live in the middle of nowhere. No, but it yeah, it's like a coastal elite thing. I think the, mm. our proximity to Toronto makes it a little bit easier for us to be able to yes. see things. But if you don't live in a major urban this center, near a major urban center, it yes. would be like if we lived in Sudbury, Ontario, there'd yes. be no way you could see any of these movies. Yes. And because of that, there'd be no Reason, reason to watch for anybody to watch the show because they couldn't. It's ridiculous. They aren't going to care because they haven't seen things. Really angry. That's my story. <laughs> That's all. It just really bothers me. I just, I, it should just be accessible to everyone. Is this turning I into like the two people that are cranky podcast? Probably. I don't, I don't know why I care so much about the Oscars. I think it's because of two things. One, I'm a child of boomers who care about the, who cared at one time, not anymore, about the Oscars. But two, because like, because they cared. I watched it every year and I loved the fashion and I loved the, I remember when Gwyneth Paltrow came for Shakespeare in Love and she was wearing that pink strapless dress. My mom was like, there's a movie star, like things like that. I were like really core important memories to, for me as a child. And, um, and it's just not there anymore. Like, it's just, it's lost. It's, it's, it hasn't lost its glamor, but it's lost. It's like specialness. It's also, we've lost the scarcity of access to celebrities, like seeing them, mm once a year on the red carpet mm -hmm. um and occasionally splashed across the page across the magazine yeah um it, it was there's something really special about it mm -hmm. and now it's the ubiquity of they all have you know twitter and social media and mm -hmm. instagram and um there's a hundred talk shows instead of just being letterman and mm -hmm. leno and um yeah there's like 
it's it's not as special and they're probably going to be on better behavior mm-hmm. on this televised you know mainstream broadcast and they would be if they appeared on a podcast or um you know did something on the internet that's mm-hmm. they own the content for so you, we don't get the same access so maybe that's why it's on it's become less appealing mm-hmm. yeah, it's a little bit blase i don't know I, I again i hear what you're saying and i think it's really a shame um that you know art films don't have a wider audience but the you know if you if you put all 10 oscar nominees <clears throat> at the theater in our town mm-hmm. i think they'd have empty theaters no but it doesn't need that's that's the whole point it doesn't need to be in the theater it needs to be on people's television sets because then you could watch it in your own home I and, agree. and it's not even the top 10 because like we're going to be able to theoretically we're going to watch all 10 like they, we, we can see a possibility to do that whereas like as per last year, right? The the short documentaries and the short films and the animated shorts and all that. They're, and the foreign language films, like we it, can't get them. Some of them, some of them, you see a list online of like where to see them, and every other one in some of these um, categories is unavailable. What? How can it be a nominated movie and have it be unavailable? That's ridiculous. They send out screeners. Like, is it the fifties? Why are you sending out screeners to people's houses? Only the Oscar voters. <gasps> I just thought of something. What did you think of? Oh my God, maybe there is an Oscar. They're not sending out screeners. There's no, do you think that George Clooney has a DVD player? I bet you his assistant does. I bet there is an Oscar screening <clears throat> app and they just don't give it to the public. Yeah, I'm sure it's walled off. Redi- that that makes me even more angry. Okay, okay. Well, they're just, it should be accessible. If they want people to go to the movies, they, it's, it's the union, the union mentality in me, Matt. If the higher ups want my money and my labor in watching these films, then they need to make it accessible and available for the public. That's ridiculous, well, but it's not. And st- streaming has showed us that it's possible. Yes. Because there's a lot of stuff on Amazon Too and Disney stuff. and Netflix, and a lot Ugh. of it's garbage. All we're asking for is to be able to, for those that care, should yes. be able to find this yes. little niche corner of the film market and yes. be able to see these films because we have interest at least so we've discussed this a lot this week um and part of the reason we've discussed it a lot is because this week we're talking about maestro which was streamable and was easily accessible on netflix yeah how'd you like that segue very good pretty good right so having segued to the identifying the title here at the nine minute mark mm-hmm. of the podcast why don't we take a break and we'll come back with you oh uh, summarizing providing I'm a not summary gonna be, of the it's not gonna be a good summary it's so like convoluted okay I'll, and it's been a while be, since you saw it and we'll, be right, we'll be right back okay Summarize Maestro. Mm-hmm. This is your specialty. Oh, you, you love doing it. I don't love doing it. I don't feel like I'm good at it. I think I miss key details. So we, Maestro is the story of Leonard Bernstein, played by Bradley Cooper, and his wife, who is played by Carrie Mulligan, whose name is escaping me. What's her name? I don't remember. All right, cool. And we'll get there. And um, it it's a biopic, but one that you actually kind of liked because they successfully aged him, and Bradley Cooper does an amazing job of disappearing into the role. We start off in the 1950s. Yep. I want to say in New York City, speaking of coastal elites, and they uh, he because someone else is sick, he gets gets a chance to direct an important orchestra in New York. It's the New York Philharmonic. Great. And he's the conductor, not the director. Oh, um, I said director. Yeah. Oh, conductor. Sorry, music mirror Christina. Yeah. Shutters. Um, and he so he he gets his big big break there and. Um, 
his career starts to take off. And at a party, he meets uh, Carrie Mulligan and they fall in love, uh, despite the fact he is very clearly gay mm -hmm. and is having all these affairs with men. She sort of overlooks the affairs of, with men uh, for many years. Well, she says at one point, this, I think it's a vital line, the key line to the whole movie is she says, I, I know exactly who you are. Mm -hmm. and, and she accepts him. Mm -hmm. So uh, they have a family and um, she is a successful choreographer in her own right, dancer and choreographer. And he is the more famous of the two of them, but still very, they're both very famous. And uh, you could just, it, the movie takes you through their their marriage, really. The lens is their marriage. Um, more, as the movie progresses, more Carrie Mulligan's viewpoint uh, than, than um, Bradley Cooper's. And uh, they they sort of, it's, it's a, a movie in three acts. The first act is them meeting and falling in love and getting married and sort of setting up their life together. And the second act is, her falling out of love with him, realizing that he's still screwing around, still sleeping with all these different men, still uh, always choosing young gay men to be his protege, which he then obviously like sets up an affair with them. They sort of break up. And then in the third act, she uh, they reconcile and then she immediately gets sick. I don't know if that's how it happened in real life. It seemed pretty movie-ish to me. Mm -hmm. I've got a feeling it happened the other way in real life. Um, and he sees her through to her eventual death. And uh, at the end, and the beginning and the end is bookended by him being old uh, and giving claiming, an, giving an interview, giving like an a interview, late life interview. Yep, and and claiming to to really really miss her that that the kids and him didn't realize how much she did for them until she was gone. Um, and Carrie Mulligan's amazing in it, and and uh, Bradley Cooper directed and stars, and he's amazing too. And there's some really great really great scenes in it, and it feels like it's the fifties and sixties. Uh, and uh, I really liked it. Is that okay? Summary? Yeah, it was a great summary. Yeah, I just didn't want to like give it all away. Yeah. Like, so I, well, I'm, you know, it is a bit of a spoiler to say that uh, Carrie Mulligan's character dies, but that's only a spoiler if you don't know the Leonard Bernstein story. And I don't know that there'd be many people who are watching the movie totally oblivious oh, to I his was. life and, and story. We both were. I didn't know mm. anything either. I, th I knew that, but I thought you were claiming to not. No, <laughs> I knew. Something. I knew more about his like professional achievements right in terms of being a composer of um some works of note including west side story west side story mm -hmm. and, and a few other fantasia yeah so for he... me like i know that west side story is the big and there was the young young people's uh orchestra or something yes. like that which was a, a video series that he did at mm -hmm. one point he was sort of well known for that they don't mention fantasia in this and i wonder if that's a disney thing like i wonder if it's because possibly well it's not streaming on disney right it's on netflix but that was that after the movie, I thought, oh, I know who that, like, after it was all over and I knew the story and whatever, I then thought to myself, oh, wait, I do know who that person is. That was the guy in Fantasia. Like, the one human that talks in Fantasia is Leonard right. Bernstein at the beginning. Yeah. When he says, hello, welcome, welcome to my orchestra. I've got, that's a terrible impression. But he's like, he's like, we have the flute. And then the flute does a little doodle doodle doo. And, mm -hmm. like, he takes you through the orchestra because you're learning because you're a kid. I love Fantasia. Yeah. I know children today think it's boring, but I loved it when yeah. I was a kid. So the movie really isn't about, it's not about his career achievements. Not really. Not, not especially. No. It's, I think, it's you, I think you hit the nail on the head that it's the relationship between him and his wife. Mm -hmm. um, and that makes the title interesting mm -hmm. because it, it asks us like, who is the maestro here mm -hmm. in the context of the story that's being told? Like, yes, he is a conductor um, and, and somebody of, of renown, but it's really maybe her mm -hmm. conducting his life. Yeah. And tending to all the details, the messy details, 
and reining in somebody who has Im- immense talent but needed some guidance. Yeah, immense talent and also apparently immense libido. Yeah. Um, and that's glossed over yes. in the movie mm-hmm. to a large extent, right? Like the, the amount of hurt he does. Mm-hmm. He comes across um, as being very honest mm-hmm. about his affairs. But He's also, never hiding anything from her. No, but also almost sociopathic in his like commitment to doing it. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm going to sleep around. Like I'm, this is just what I right. do. But that, as I stated, like, I think it comes back to that, that line of dialogue that she gives mm-hmm. in their courtship early on where it's, it's evident to her that he is a gay man or at least maybe bisexual. Mm-hmm. He clearly, he has chemistry with her mm-hmm. and they have a good relationship and, and they're sleeping together, mm-hmm. but there's also everything else he does mm-hmm. in his life. And that there's, he doesn't hide any of that from her. Mm-hmm. There's no like proviso that we're going to get married and I'm going to stop this. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was interesting um, in that way because it, the movie sets him up not as being somebody who's villainous or who like destroys his, his wife and his family and his marriage, mm-hmm. but as someone who actually was misunderstood ultimately, like, I think there might, there might be more criticism of the wife than, of him mm. I mean, in Cooper's uh, estimation. Anyways, I think that like from our perspective, depending on how much you like Carrie Mulligan's performance, mm-hmm. you may not like Leonard Bernstein very much um, because you, you empathize with her. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. That because, was where I, I came with. Yeah. Because like way. her emotional arc is really the one that matters. Mm-hmm. It's her falling in love. It's her, being angry and furious and then sort of emotionally destroyed by him, her coming to grips with the fact that he's not going to change. She's not going to change. And that she's the one who decides to reconcile. Mm -hmm. And then she's the one who gets sick and he's sort of just orbiting her as she passes. Mm -hmm. And then in the end, he's left alone. Like Mm -hmm. I, I I have a sense that um, this is really a a, a film with two leads. Mm And sort of foreshadowing one of the questions I have later on for you but like can you imagine a world where you could actually act that way and it wasn't all over the internet like can you imagine now if like the closest i'm thinking of is like harry styles right harry styles gets around and like everybody knows he gets around but i think it takes a lot of organization on him and his people's part to keep who he gets around and how often he gets around out of the tabloids Mm -hmm. i really like i just can't imagine a world where it was where it was a secret he was gay was it like yes. I, this is what I don't know is no, whether yeah, or not no. it was well known in the world that no no nobody knew it was well known in his world in his circles yeah, yes it wasn't publicly well known right mm-hmm. okay amazing so um we both like this movie quite a bit mm-hmm. I, I I saw it alone for mm-hmm. the first time um I not alone well, I watched it alone. I watched it uh, simultaneously with Tom mm-hmm. and we were both floored yeah I was like really really moved really by it. it I thought it was really really good. Um, and then I saw it the second time with you and I was less enthralled by it. I started to see the seams a little bit, Mm. but there's still a lot of like really high quality filmmaking going on here. Would you like to talk about that high quality filmmaking when we come back from our commercial break? Yeah, that works. All right. Commercial break. Yeah. (laughs) This, this, yeah, this break brought to you by, (laughs) by smoking. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. We'll be right back. I can see in your notes. It's just so much smoke. There's so much smoke. Oh my God. He, I guess, never 
went without having a cigarette in his uh, hand, a lit so cigarette gross. in his hand. Everybody in the film smokes constantly. Constantly. Like, like constantly is not an overstatement here. Like every single person is smoking the entire time. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Like she gets cancer and dies and it's like, well, yeah, duh. How is he not dead? Like it's, it's shocking to me that people mm -hmm. can smoke for like 50 years and not, not die. Just shows how resilient the human body can be. Yeah, or the genetic predisposition. Or yeah. Whatever. Anyways, so if we're gonna make the case, let's make the case why this movie could win mm -hmm. Best Picture. All, all the reasons. What do you all got? Acting, mm -hmm. both acting performances. The directing's really good, although there's a couple of scenes. One in particular that's just like so on the nose. I complained about it to you, and we saw it too, where Bernstein is directing. And Carrie Mulligan is standing backstage watching him direct. And the way it's shot and lit is she's literally standing in his shadow. And I was like, oh, come on. Yeah. Like that was in black and white. Mm -hmm. It was early on. In the film. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. The artisticness of it, like the uh, artistry, I guess, of like the black and white going to color. Um, it's like it's it's uh, I think a, a well-loved American figure. Um I think it has a lot of reasons to win. Yeah. The directing is good, except for that. I mean, I, he didn't write the screenplay, did he? No, well, I think he might have had a, some of a hand well, in it. Well, yeah. okay. Well, scene that was too on the nose aside. Directing is great. Cinematography is beautiful. Feels like it takes place. Costuming and makeup is, is great. It really brings you into a certain time and place all the way through. Um, it's a biopic that you didn't have as much of a problem with, which is really saying something. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and the acting performances, I think there's lots of reasons why it might win. I don't know that the Academy loves Bradley Cooper enough to have him win. Yeah, that's interesting that you'd say that. I think it's true. Um, yeah, so I agree. I agree with you entirely. I think the acting performances, especially Carrie Mulligan, mm -hmm. um, are pretty special. Um, I Again, not being familiar with Bernstein, I don't know if it's a caricature or if it's a bad impression or if it's you know Bradley Cooper's take on on the on the character on the person um, Felicia Felicia mm -hmm. um, I thought that Cooper in a couple of moments was really um, quite effective mm -hmm. and the, the one scene that really stood out to me was the scene he has with Maya Hawk mm -hmm. um, where he wants to she's heard a rumor that he's gay. she's heard a rumor that he's gay he would like to out himself mm -hmm. he would like to like confirm mm -hmm. to his daughter that this is actually who I am and Felicia says, don't you, dare. don't you dare do that. And he says, this is a decision we make together. And ultimately, he's just sort of about to um, confess. confess. And then he decides not to. And the way his daughter reacts to that news mm -hmm. is she's relieved. And you can see him die a little deaf mm -hmm. at that moment. Right? No he, words. No words. Just it's face. just body language and his face. Yeah. He just, you can tell it wounds him. Mm -hmm. Like grievously wounds him. Mm -hmm. But he's also pleased that she's not destroyed. Mm -hmm. So he takes this bullet for his daughter. And I thought that that scene was really powerful. Mm -hmm. um, and I, especially in the second watching when the first time I saw it, I thought, oh, that that was good. And then the second time I saw it, I thought, oh, that's really good. Mm -hmm. There's another scene where he's being interviewed outdoors, um, sort of sitting by the pool. He's wearing a white sweater mm -hmm. and it's sort of an autumnal scene. Mm -hmm. um, and he gives really good dialogue there, delivers dialogue really well. And I think that like in the scenes where he's composing, he looks believable to mm -hmm. me. You know, he doesn't look like somebody who doesn't know what he's doing. No. 
Um, yeah, you mentioned that he's a, like, sort of an important figure in Hollywood mm-hmm. and that it's a biopic. And I think it's a biopic that works because it's not just playing his greatest hits. Mm-hmm. He did this. Oh, and he also did this. And he also did this. Um, you know, and they successfully age him too, which is like newer technology where like he actually looks successfully aged by yeah. the end. He ages like 30 years in the course of the movie and it's like, oh yeah, that. But it's, it's through makeup yeah. and lighting. It helps that they're dealing with a real person. Yeah. Right. So it's like, here's what he looked like at the end. So like, that's what we're going to make your face look like with latex and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I thought that was really successful. It's not like he's not being de-aged or aged up no. using anything digital. No, but it's, it's I don't think genuine so. like yeah. craft, which is good. Yeah. Um, you say that, Coop, that Cooper's not well liked by the Academy, but he's lobbying hard. So I think one of the reasons why this film could win best picture is because he's out there shaking mm-hmm. hands and kissing babies and, right. and like, running for mayor. Right. <laughs> And um, it's been a long gestating project. And one of the things that like, we didn't mention is that Steven Spielberg was originally attached as a director. Mm. And then he was the one who acquiesced and said, uh, Bradley Cooper should be the one that does this. Mm. Um, and I believe that there was some funding that came from Spielberg mm. as an executive producer. And I think that his name means a lot in uh-huh. the industry. But, well, that's a profound thing to say. Yeah, sure People is. like Steven Spielberg. Yeah. Um, the cinematography, I think, is really, really good. Yeah. I wrote the word sumptuous, especially Ooh. for the black and white. The black and white was gorgeous. Yeah. Um, really, really, really well done. And it's in that cinema, um, what the Academy frame, the 1.371. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way the camera moves, the cathedral sequence, mm. where they play Mahler at that cathedral, mm-hmm. I think it's in London, and the camera moves through the, the orchestra mm-hmm. and circles around, and it's sort of it's a tracking shot, and the music soars, and... I think that's just really, really good filmmaking. I, I don't know if there's a scene that's been more moving individually than mm-hmm. than that that I've seen to date. We've got mm-hmm. a few movies left to go through. And I thought the dance sequence where he is watching the rehearsal and then he ends up in costume and dancing. Mm-hmm. It was edited. It was a little bit jarring in terms of the editing. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way they, they leave one scene and burst into the theater um, almost immediately. Mm-hmm. Actually immediately. So it's as though... It, they went through event, a door yeah, and, some and, sort of portal. and moved states. Yeah. yeah. I thought that was, I thought, I thought that worked. Yeah. Um, and I thought it was like, it told you everything the movie was going to be about, mm-hmm. which is about her grappling with like, wait a minute, how gay is he? Oh, he's that gay. Mm-hmm. Is that going to be okay with me? I think it is because he's so brilliant, mm-hmm. right? Because he has, does he have hate in his heart or does he have love in his heart? Is it love for music or is it ego? Or narcissism. Yeah. Um, the reasons why it might not win, you've already mentioned as well. So there's so much smoking. Mm-hmm. And it's, I, I really want, although I don't think the average, uh, you know, John Q Academy voter cares about the messaging, about but maybe all the reviews I've read have been like, Oh, the smoking. Yeah. Like even so on like, like regular people like us on Letterboxd. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah. I, it's not, that's not a hot take. Yeah. Like that's everybody says that friend of the pod. Joe uh, said that he found the editing disorienting mm. and distracting that it was a little too jarring mm. when you know we change locations or change times I that at all. very quickly just that one time yeah it just, i think it just drew attention to itself mm. so it's like the suspension of disbelief is broken when you're like trying to refigure okay where am i now mm. um and I, I i i'm welcome please correct me joe if that's not not the way that you mm. felt um and maybe there's just a lack there's an ambiguity about why bernstein behaves the way he does like ultimately this is a character story and a biopic where it's theoretically about Leonard Bernstein and we don't really have any greater understanding when the movie ends, but why he did anything he did. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that's really because it's, it's, 
it's at least a two-hander and it might actually be felicia's story mm -hmm. with bernstein being the the key essential supporting character mm -hmm. um but we understand her interior conflict more than his mm -hmm. um yeah I, would agree and I think that. we relate more to her so is that a detriment to the film perhaps mm -hmm. if you're a voter who's looking like i want i want to unpack what bernstein was thinking and mm -hmm. feeling and then that's not what you get no um there may be those that are turned off by that mm -hmm. uh sort of missing missing the the um missing the point and like is it a picture of somebody who's predatory mm -hmm. ultimately is he grooming these young men and is that can that fly in 2024 like are we mm -hmm. gonna are we gonna valorize that behavior mm -hmm. um again I, I that's interesting bumping right? against that. that's interesting because so many so many like quote unquote heroes of the past have been like devalorized in the last decade mm -hmm. right pulling down statues uh you know like changing wikipedia articles to reflect the the new way of thinking about race and politics and sexual orientation and whatever we're going back and applying that lens on those people um but not not on not on certain people that are that's just really interesting yeah the selectivity picking and choosing who we're yeah. gonna and I, I was gonna say we tear down i was gonna, gonna say yeah. about white guy but like like he because he's a white guy but that's not true because there's lots of lots of people that have been like what I, I he's jewish like i guess he's like that like that could be his minority status but like i don't i or just that he's gay or yeah or that he's gay but i just mean like like the, there is a predatory aspect to the fact that he's choosing these young men and then they're in turn using him perhaps to move up in the world i don't know that's interesting the film doesn't seem to have a conscience about it no yeah it seems to be neutral which is interesting which is a choice and might make it something that people can't get behind quick break and then back with the questions let's do it all right that last mm -hmm. point i think one of the things that's worth noting is that cooper himself makes the choice and cooper seems to not want answers to those questions mm -hmm. right? he's the filmmaker he's the star mm -hmm. and i think that the choice is to make it ambiguous mm. um so maybe that's what it comes down to it's just about like what his personal connection to bernstein was yeah but is he actually he didn't set he clearly didn't set out to tear the man down no agreed but also like is he actually an american hero like i do think that when you have a movie made about yourself it does valorize you somewhat mm -hmm. right so like if that's the case is this someone that we should be that'd be an interesting thought project would be like can we think of biopics where it's like the making of a villain mm -hmm. or it's actually like a, well it that's like de-glamorizes I mean, somebody well this is a terrible not de-glamorizes but like this is a terrible example but maleficent is a little bit like that right it's like the backstory like that that's sort of popular is like right. the backstory of the villain and and those are meant to elicit empathy Right? right like oh or or um, or aren't all biopics trying to do that then maybe yeah i don't know i haven't watched enough um but the um star wars the new star wars with uh, where it explained why darth vader is the way darth vader mm -hmm. is right like that's all meant to like oh it turns out it's a more complicated story than just luke you like you yeah, i yeah. am your father yeah. right like spoiler alert yeah. um okay hit me with your questions yeah, darth vader had heartbreak, heartbreak yeah. in his life yeah so that um, meant but like to be evil yeah and in terms of biopics about real people not yes. fictional characters yes i don't think there's ever been like a a slack like a tear down 
like movie, they don't make biopics no. in order to slag people. No, I can't think of not I can't think of one. My brain went to Harvey's Harvey Weinstein. The um, oh yeah, she said and right? the, the um, there have been what's the one with oh I can't think of the title right now. It's a really good one. one. The assistant I think it's called with okay. uh, Julia Garner, mm -hmm. uh, which is terrific. Mm -hmm. um, where he's off off camera, like you never see him, but mm -hmm. there's like a, a Weinstein like figure. Mm -hmm. Anyways, we don't need to discuss Harvey Weinstein. All right. <laughs> uh, so my question is: Is Carrie Mulligan the lead? Do you agree with yes. me on that? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and I, like my justification for the question is that I think her arc narratively ties the film together. I think that like well, and like you said, it's told through her eyes, not through his. Yeah, right. We get an insight into her mind. We don't get yeah. an insight into Leonard Bernstein. What's it like it's living? Yeah, what's it like living with him? Is something that we come to understand. Mm -hmm. But what it's like to be Leonard Bernstein, we don't really understand. Mm -hmm. Um, although we do see moments of his heartbreak, there's a, there's a really touching scene where he's walking with a former lover, mm -hmm. um, having met up with him on the street randomly and, you know, they're, they're, both they're, married to women. they're both married to women and they look at each other and they have a moment together and mm -hmm. they, like, you, it's clear that like, it's crushing them mm -hmm. not to be together anymore that they were really much in, very much in love. Um, okay. Next question. Is there enough music for, for a movie about a composer? Is there enough music in the film? No. But I didn't think that was a terrible decision because I actually don't like most of Leonard Bernstein's compositions. Like, I don't like West Side Story. Mm -hmm. So I, Too I was... Too new age, jazzy. What's, what is it about it that you don't like? Uh, yeah, sure. I, I honestly, I don't know. I don't know what I don't like about it. But I like watched music it. you can snap to. I don't like the old one. I don't like the new one. I think it is like a little... I don't find it singable. I don't find it like... Les Mis is just as depressing and it's my favorite musical because that music is like it's much more classic in tone yeah and like I don't know like it, it's like the swell and the like it's heart-rending and all that stuff I find West Side Story like so boring and um and not like I don't even know what the word is like not singable like not musical in its music which is bizarre to say but I just don't I'm not right, that's fair so yes there probably wasn't enough music but I wasn't sad about it. Is there too much of his life that gets glossed over? Are, were you comfortable with the time jumps and yeah. the fact that like you, we mentioned West Side Story more than once. The only time West Side Story actually comes up is that in the score mm -hmm. at a later period, mm -hmm. it's used like his own Bernstein's own music gets it is used. Mentioned, um, uh, in and that, yeah, in that interview, right? Yeah. There's a TV interview that they're yes. doing where we, yes. we only see the one side of the interview. We don't hear the questions, actually. Yes. And he says, I'm working on a musical. I think it's going to be called West Side Story. Yeah. He mentions it in passing. Right. Because um, otherwise I wouldn't have known. But like the fact that, you know, one minute they have no children, the next minute there's three children. No, it didn't bother me. That didn't bother no, you? No. Um, okay, the, the big question, I suppose, is, is this a biopic that works? And sub-question, how do we know when a biopic works? Uh, that's a big question. So yes, I think it's a biopic that works for all the reasons we've already talked about, mm -hmm. right? Like interesting story, sort of American hero, like, uh, good aging, like makeup is good aging process. Um, bad biopics are ones where they, and the, the jumps work, right? Like all those things, you feel like you hit all the important parts of his life. Um, the bad ones jump around too much, try to cover too much ground in two hours, don't do the aging process well, or the aging process is really obvious. So it's like, oh, this is clearly 10 years later because you added more lines on his face. Mm -hmm. I thought this one was much it's more gradual more subtle. and subtle. I thought that I thought it really worked. And I thought I thought it worked too. I think because as as we've said, it doesn't try to 
jump from accomplishment to accomplishment yes and overwhelm you with a resume yes which is probably the intelligence of of having it told through carrie mulligan's eyes through felicia's eyes what we what we see instead is that um yes he's achieving things Mm -hmm. and he's had a long um an illustrious career mm-hmm, but at what cost but but at what cost but there's the thematically it's really about the, like the hero's journey here the story is about this man mm-hmm. trying to be a good husband to this wife or living his life on his terms mm-hmm. or if for if, if felicia is the lead character it's about falling in love with someone who is uh undeniably talented and great and brilliant mm-hmm. and accepting whether whether or not it's possible to accept somebody totally fully yeah. But I think that's what the arc of the film is really about. She has that fundamental question about like, what's in your heart? Mm-hmm. And at one point when she's falling out of love with him, she thinks you don't love anybody or anything except yourself. Mm-hmm. And she thinks he's totally inglorious. But then she somehow finds a way to come back around to that, mm-hmm. to this notion that, no, no, he... Through his music. Through his music. Well, whatever the reason is. But I think that was... No, it's, that's the cathedral scene. I think, yeah. yeah. She watches them, yeah, at, at the cathedral scene. I think another example would be King Richard, mm-hmm. um, which really is about i i thought richard williams's struggle to be a good father Mm -hmm. and to like stand up for what he believed in and and, like how hard do you push your kids and like again the 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 momentary achievements like it wasn't it wasn't then he did this and then he did this and then he Mm -hmm. did this it was just about like over time Mm -hmm. this person's going to go through this challenge like Mm -hmm. this this is the the big theme of their life Mm -hmm. um and again like biopics that don't work like ali mm-hmm. the michael mann film also starring will smith showed him like we got to we got to show him winning this fight and he has to do this and he yeah. has to marry these women and he has to have this moment and he has to this is when he was draft dodging and this and because the history is familiar to people they expect the hits to be played but then right. it just becomes like you might as well just hire somebody to read the resume right um whereas this film doesn't seem particularly interested in his resume mm-hmm. doesn't really dwell on it assumes we know it mm-hmm. and tries to tell us something new about the guy mm-hmm. which i thought kind of worked um and it, i said like it, it inspired me to want to maybe know a little bit more mm-hmm. about him to do a little bit of research then i think that makes it a successful biopic mm-hmm. to be honest um last but not least so we got two minutes left yeah the their last year tar mm-hmm. was about a composer who I claimed see. to know leonard bernstein yes right it's fictional mm-hmm. um but i what i want to know is do you think that a biopic slash character study of this nature is more effective or less effective than a fictitious one like Tar was. And, and in short, my question is, did you prefer Tar to Maestro and why? I don't, I think I preferred Maestro to Tar mm-hmm. because it was a real person and because I really enjoyed Carrie Mulligan's performance. I think she should win. I mean, I know we haven't seen them all. I haven't ever seen, I've seen three of 10, but based on what I've seen, I can't, I, I think she absolutely deserves the Oscar. So yeah, I think like Tar was lo- really long and the main character, which like she's in every single scene was completely unlikable, mm-hmm. right? So yeah, no, I liked Maestro better. And I think it was a more successful, I think like in this particular case, the, the biopic of the real person worked a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. I thought Mulligan, Carrie Mulligan was really good. And there's, there's one scene where she's, um, she's suffering, she's undergone chemotherapy mm-hmm. and she's suffering through listening to old friends gossip. Mm-hmm. And she's simultaneously like coughing into a tissue and mm-hmm. the way she holds her body, mm-hmm. you can just tell that she looks like someone who's in agony, mm-hmm. um, emotionally and yeah. physically. 
um, is just brilliant acting. Yeah, she's great. So this is a really good film, and I think that if we're gonna, uh, we don't have much time, but we're gonna rank the three films. I would rank the holdovers above this. Mm-hmm. Maestro's next, and Barbie. Those would be my three at this Same point. Same these. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to tomorrow, though. So far, we agree. Yeah, so far we agree. <laughs> I'm looking forward to tomorrow. I think tomorrow's gonna be really great watching too, and then yeah, and then doing some recording. And we're gonna have lots to report on soon. Yep, two more coming up this week. All right. Bye for now. Bye everybody. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.